0: You are listening to Inside Healthcare, a podcast presented by NCQA. Hi everyone, welcome to Inside Healthcare. I'm your host, NCQA's Director of Communications, Matt Brock. We have great discussions this week on health equity. We'll get an update on some places where we see progress and talk out strategies for the way forward. Our first guest is NCQA's Dr. Rachel Harrington. Later, we'll hear from Peggy O'Kane on the issue. Each of them contributed, along with several other industry leaders, to the publication of a landmark paper on equity. We'll definitely hear about that. Now, research scientist Dr. Rachel Harrington. Here at NCQA, Dr. Harrington's team is specifically tasked with developing strategies for using quality measurement to improve health equity. She's well-equipped to lead the effort. Just look at her career highlights. She's helped design and author protocols for a rare disease registry. She's researched medication use in elderly populations, chronicled life after cancer for pediatric survivors, and managed million dollar health vendor contracts. As noted earlier, she contributed to the recent landmark paper for the National Academy of Medicine and is here to share her insight with our audience, you. Rachel Harrington. Welcome to Inside Healthcare. It's good to have you and uh, and we've been meaning to talk to you for a long time uh, about many things, but uh, I want to start with your recently published paper along with several colleagues, including our president, um, Peggy O'Kane. You all have uh, been published. Tell me a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, so it's it's very exciting to uh, see this release. Uh, it's a National Academy of Medicine discussion paper, but it was really a lot of folks from the, the quality environment coming together to say, where are we today in terms of, of quality and equity and, and health in our country? And is it where we want it to be? And if it's not, how do we get there? Um, you know, it started with informal conversations last year and, and really as those conversations progressed and, and it was clear that um, we weren't where we wanted to be, that we really felt quality could do more to move our healthcare care and health system forward in terms of, of improving outcomes for, for populations across the country that there was some work we needed to do. And uh, that became this paper. It sort of is a a bit of a meditation on where we are today and a looking forward set of recommendations on how we need to continue making progress to make change.
0: So, uh, you know, a lot of people have asked, and I know we've talked to Peggy about this, but a lot of folks have asked, well, why now if this problem has been, here for a while and it has been a stubborn issue. I think most of us can um, assess why is now the opportune time? Why has it moved to the forefront and and why not earlier? I think a lot of folks would wanna know.
1: Yeah, it's, I mean, I, I don't think there's any argument that the US healthcare system is rife with inequities and disparities in care. Um, You see it in the research literature, you see it coming out in in reports, you see our our policymakers and politicians discussing it. And I think we all saw it in absolutely undisputable terms with the the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, When you started seeing the information coming out about who was getting sick and who was getting care and who wasn't and who was dying. Um, And and you saw that communities of color, black and African-American, Latina communities, were really suffering the brunt of of the pandemic in in an unequal way. And that was a mirror of what we've seen in our healthcare system for a long time. I think that brought it to the top of a lot of people's minds, but there was also an interesting timing aspect too, because, so National Academies used to be Institute of Medicine. And uh, 20 years ago, they released this very seminal paper, Crossing the Quality Chasm. Um, It's 2001. I can't tell you how many times I've cited that in in various, various settings. And it laid out very clearly sort of the six domains of healthcare quality. And equity was one of those. And then Institute of Medicine followed it up two years later with a report called Unequal Treatment that really dove into the questions of equity and disparities and what quality needed to do to address it. That was 2001 and 2003. We're in 2021, so we've hit that 20th anniversary. And, you know, with, with those major anniversaries comes some self reflection. And... Not to
0: mention, not to mention a nation that is is especially sensitive, given what's going on in the in the civil rights world, in the uh, the George Floyd uh, murder
2: yeah.
0: uh, sort of highlighted these things. Um, and it's weird how that translated to healthcare in some ways, right? That I don't guess it's weird. I just think it probably um, just made it more glaring. Correct?
1: Yeah. It it there are a lot of communities who have lived with this day after day for years, and it's nothing new to them. But I, I think our larger dialogue um, was able to kind of focus on other things. And there were a, there are a lot of things to focus on in healthcare, right? There are many other areas that needed improvement, and all of that. But and
0: this one, and this one is tough. This one's it, the hard work, it, right?
1: It is. It's the hard work and it's the work that requires effort across multiple different levels. There's no one single solution to inequity in healthcare and outcomes. So, you know, I, but I think what's really happened is that everybody sort of had a moment and come together and said, you know what, it's been around. It's going to take hard work to, to improve it, but the time is now and we have to do this now it's it's really become unescapable. And you know if we can can take this motivation and and take action for change and and take all of the momentum we have from you know communities coming together to voice their priorities and our public policymakers coming forward and being willing to sort of invest in the the infrastructure and systems necessary to make this improvement. You know, I think it, it sets us up to to take real meaningful action. And I think that's what this paper, you know, it's an equity agenda for the field of health care quality improvement. It's really saying here quality. Here's what we need to do to to make this change.
0: And our little niche, our little part of the health uh, care system in the United States. And, and you phrased it, you know, sort of the quality community um at which ncqa is a significant uh player in the quality community we're in a unique role for this aren't we and and um potentially productive especially productive role. tell me about that
1: yeah i i think quality is used to managing and and tackling complex problems that, that's what healthcare quality does. And, and quality improvement is as a practice of looking for root causes, looking for the different systems and, and touch points between patients and, and healthcare providers and, and healthcare facilities and, and systems, that mindset, that quality improvement mindset is really just so well positioned to tackling this because you do need to go back to root causes. You do need to look at where different points of contact happen and where different failures can, can happen and implement uh, continuous quality improvement solutions and then reevaluate using our quality measures. You know. Going back to to the idea of quality as you sort of have structure, process, outcomes, your structures of care, that's a lot of equity. You know, who who are your providers? You know, what language services do you have available? Do you have sort of culturally, linguistically appropriate services? That's a very structural uh, approach to quality, you know, uh, process. Do people have access are they, are they getting in for the screenings and the preventative care that they need? We know that's a major area of disparities. And then outcomes, you know, I mean, I think we've seen, and this is where where COVID is so heartbreaking that, you know, you see mortality outcomes, you see some of these long COVID symptoms that are being experienced by, by underserved communities and, and communities of color. And, you know, so that that quality of framing lends itself very well to tackling the issues around equity and, and making change. And it also touches so many different areas.
0: Why do you think that uh, this, you know, because the, the quality community is given to measure, do, or do measure, uh, yeah. retain, you know, the system, you can put it in, in many different ways, but measuring is, is the point. Why do you suppose it's never, because we know there are disparities. Mm-hmm why do you suppose that we've been measuring disparities for so long and yet they haven't changed Oh God. terribly me- there's probably a lot of reasons and i know i'm kind of putting you on the spot but why do you suppose that is is it just neglect on the part of big systems or, or are they lost in that um i, I don't think it's intentional
1: no I mean, in
2: most cases no. right Right. I
1: think you I think you hit it on the head earlier in that it's tough um, and it, it requires. So addressing disparities. Right. There are you can can send emails to your whole population or send mailers to your whole population to try and get people in. Um, but but to address an issue of an inequity or a disparity, you have to go that next step. You have to think about, well, who in my population, you know, Do I, are they housing and stable? Do I even have a stable help address to reach them at? Okay. I reach them, but do they have transportation to get to my, get to my clinic? You know, okay. I prescribed them a medicine and they're not filling it. Why are they being non-adherent with their medications? Well, maybe they're balancing a budget where every single dollar is allocated to other necessities and you know going for that prescription slips down the list because they've got other family things going on so it's i think that going the next level has been a challenge historically you know healthcare sort of getting out of its bubble and looking at the larger Larger situation. I also think a big issue has been alignment. We've seen individual organizations and sort of regional systems and, and states, you know, these pockets of great innovation and activity to address disparities and, and inequities. But generally, our healthcare system was not designed to align for momentum in this space. Our payment models didn't weren't designed to reward the providers who were, you know, grappling with the patients who had the highest complexity and unmet social needs, it, you know, wasn't uh, set up to recognize the different dynamics that might be in play here and invest in some of the structural things that are needed to improve, um, improve health disparities. So I, I think it's for a long time, things have been just in so many different places working on different levels and not pulling together. And I think that's what we're hoping to see now is all of these different parts of the health system coming together to align, to really make change here.
0: And and that leads me to the next, well, what I wanted, a future question. Uh, um, But right now I do want to say there are people who are doing well in this area, Mm -hmm. correct? There are people, we sound so negative because we need to tackle this problem. But the truth is there are people who are doing the right things and actually making yeah. uh, closing the chasm, so to speak slowly, but closing it. Tell us about, yeah. uh, about what progress since this has taken really focus in the last year, year and a half, tell us about who's doing the right things. You got anybody or, or, or what are the right things?
1: Yeah. So I'm, I'm trying to, to, Mentally refresh on specific examples here, and I, I apologize, I, I don't we, have the we, names to hand.
0: Okay, but, we can come back if you want. <laughs> but what are? But there are organizations yeah. who are doing the right things.
1: There are, there are. So you see a um, big growth in in programs to screen for unmet social needs. I think, you know, we've seen um, Humana has a large program around that. Some of the blues have implemented programs to really understand their population's needs. I think we, you know, it's been well publicized that what something like 80% of health outcomes come from outside of health care. It's coming from all of the social, environmental, you know, factors that are out there. And, you know, so point one is just understanding, you know, does your population have, the food that they need? Do they have housing? Do they have transportation? Um, you know, for the the older population, you know, social isolation is a really big, you know, contributor to um, some of these, this instability and, and, and unmet need. And we know that these factors tend to correlate with Traditionally underserved populations and populations of color, and and so on, and so I think understanding that dynamic and really getting getting that understanding in place and then acting, you know, putting people in touch with their community-based services, community health workers, you know, bringing them in to really build that bridge between the patient's lived experience and their their interactions with the healthcare system is a really great first step. Um, we've also seen a lot of organizations really investing in getting their uh, demographic data updated and improved um,
0: we I need think to measure we, right we need to know yeah. what we're dealing with yep
1: yeah. that's that's quality improvement 101 right You're like right. you can't you can't improve what you don't know right and what measures matters or what's measured uh, matters and so you know for a long time you just didn't know who made up your membership so you didn't know if there were disparities yeah you, you kind of knew because Everybody, you know, there was published literature, a report would come out from CMS, something like that. But, you know, for a lot of individual health plans or health systems, they they didn't know. And it was because that data, you know, data on race and ethnicity and sexual orientation, gender identity, it, it's tough to get. It takes building trust with patients and asking questions that providers or patients might not be comfortable with. But, you know, at the end of the day, if you don't know that and you don't look into your own data and you don't understand the differences in performance trends that you have, you can't act to improve it. Um, so I think we've seen a lot of effort there over the last couple of years to really get, get that improved.
0: Hmm. How long do you think before you'll see significant changes in the numbers? Do you know? Do you dare to dare <laughs> to guess or bet? Maybe you and I could have a $2 bet as to
1: when. (laughs) Man, we we need to put more money behind it than that, because, (laughs) you know, this is this is the sort of million dollar question that we're we're grappling with right now. You know, I think we have seen through some of the um, demonstration projects that are out there, some of the sort of uh, individual program evaluations that change is possible you know, when you, when you focus, when you sort of look at your overall population dynamics and you see, you know, there's a disparity between my, you know, Asian and and white population or my, my Hispanic and and non-Hispanic populations. Okay. You see that population level disparity, then drill down, start looking at, you know, what are, what are the characteristics of that population? Where do they live? What communities are they in? Um, You know, what's really going on there? Sort of. Think global, act local, apply, you know, healthcare is local, right? In, in so many ways. And so we've seen through, through some of those programs that change is possible, improvement is possible. You can see the gaps close and rates go up. Um, so I, I am very hopeful that we will see that it's a couple of years and we'll start seeing that, that improvement. Is it going to happen overnight? Probably not because it's, there's a lot that has to happen and it's hard work. But we know it can happen. So, you know, let's get moving.
0: <laughs> All right. The, the question that uh, I alluded to earlier that you led to is what do we need to do as a system right now? Give me top three. Yeah. People, lo- people love one, two and three.
1: I know. I know. Top three. It's funny because I know this, this paper came out at the end, there's something like 12 recommendations and it Mm -hmm. kind of laugh every time you see it, you know, but it's because there's a lot going on, but let me, let me narrow it down. So top three, um, I would say the data issue uh, really investing in getting uh, data on populations, member level data, self-reported, self-identified data, where possible, really understanding and 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 getting that data in place so that we can get stratified rates. We can understand the trends. We can act to improve it. So that would be my first one. Um, my second one would have to be with how we engage with patients and communities. Um, there's there's a lack of trust in the in between certain communities and the healthcare system, and that's motivated by a history and ongoing uh, actions that the healthcare system has taken to break trust. So I think we have to grapple with that. We have to be honest about it and really engage back with patients, engage with communities, rebuild that trust, and and really focus on what's meaningful to them in terms of what needs uh, should be met, what improvement is needed, and and so on. So that would be my second one. Um, third one, I, I'm going to focus on measurement because that's where I <laughs> that's where I live day to day. I think we need to rethink how we measure for equity. Um, stratification is a part of it; it's a huge part of it. We have to understand where differences are so we can change them, and we can evaluate that the changes is is working. But I also think we need to rethink patient experience a little bit, um, you know, and and the the t- how we define outcomes for quality measures. And is it what is most relevant to those communities? You know, are we are we measuring overall experience or do we need to measure something explicit as an experience of di- discrimination and bias? Um, do we need to look at how our measures are designed and what populations are captured in a measure and what populations are excluded from the measure um, just By the function of of how they're designed. Um, So I think we we really need to have a fundamental conversation around how quality measures contribute to the equity discussion and, and, you know, see if we we need to get creative there and and start thinking a little bit differently.
0: So then the question, the, the sort of final question that I have for you is half glass, glass, half
1: empty, glass, half full. Where are you? Um... So glass half full, uh, only because the, and I think you see this represented in the organizations that were, you know, partnering to put this this paper out, but also in the larger discussion in the sort of investments and the money that's being put into this now, um, that that you see that there's real momentum. I said it earlier. This is nothing new. There have been, you know, people who have been been trumpeting that this needs to be to be worked on for years. A lived experience has said that this is an issue for for years, but it really does feel like we're at a moment where the momentum is really pushing us forward for real change. And I think if if we can keep that going and keep that level of engagement and and, you know, motivation to to work on this, frankly, challenging uh, issue, that we, we have a great opportunity here. So I'm I'm glass half full.
0: <laughs> thank you, Rachel. We're gonna do all we can to help you uh, keep the spotlight on this issue and uh, keep the prog- progress progressing. How about that for word use? Um, <laughs> thank you very much for joining us on Inside Healthcare and uh, stay in touch.
1: Well, too, thank you.
0: That's Dr. Rachel Harrington with the current assessment on the state of health equity today and some possible paths forward. Now let's turn to our regular policy discussion with NCQA President Peggy O'Kane and Vice President of Public Policy Frank Michike. Peggy also contributed to that National Academy paper and tells us just how better data, digital data, can make a real difference with health disparities. The paper talks about
3: institutional racism and how it's um, uh, considered alongside uh, drivers of health or what we've um, commonly referred to as social determinants of health and how the two interact and uh, how they should be looked at. So uh, as you say, uh, healthcare and healthcare leaders can't control the larger... uh, injustices and institutional racism, but there is room for that among or within healthcare companies as to uh, how they approach uh, institutional racism that may exist in their systems or their practices or uh, any number of algorithms, uh, if you want to leap to the digital age. What are your thoughts on that? What's the responsibility of the healthcare system to uh, police that, and to, to do better, to break down those um, institutional barriers to more equitable care.
2: Yeah, I mean, all you have to do is look at the healthcare workforce to see that um, there there's an ascending, uh, you know, the higher the the rank of the person in the healthcare system, the more likely they are to be white, and there, you know, the the supply of doctors of color is woefully short of the you know the population levels and we know that for whatever reasons um people do better when they have practitioners that look like they do now that feels somewhat uh awkward i'm you know uh, but uh, but the reality is that's how it that's how the that's what the data are showing us i'm thinking about lisa cooper Dr. Lisa Cooper, who was at Johns Hopkins, who studied a lot of this. And, you know, she takes uh, satisfaction surveys of patients of color and she sorts by whether they saw white doctors or doctors of color. And she finds dramatic differences of feeling heard, feeling respected, um, you know, how they were treated in the system.
3: So, and I, and I would imagine um, if the situation were reversed, you'd see the same. I think anyone who's not um, connecting for some reason, and culture, or uh, uh, ethnicity, and or skin color, is part of what can um, uh, damage those connections.
2: Well, I think I, I think yes, to some extent, but we can't sub- separate it from the fact that if you are a person of color in this country. You're generally uh, experiencing um, lesser, lesser, uh, less favorable circumstances in life, less uh, respect from other people, especially people who aren't of your ethnic uh, or racial uh, composition, and so forth. So I don't think it. I don't think it translates into yeah. That's a two-way street. I think uh, the the underlying facts. That um, you know that people of color have have been treated less well in our society, often by deliberate public policy, um, also translates into you, you can't like it's kind of like it's like separate or equal is not good enough. It's kind of like you've got a higher you've got a higher hill to climb here when you're dealing with somebody that's really poor. Um, and, you know, whatever the social drivers are, you've got to kind of go the extra mile. It's kind of like I think about, um, you know, like the role of a, of a healthcare care professional is to meet the patient where they are. And if they have, you know, some horrible um, uh, co-occurring condition to the one that you're treating, you need to kind of respect that and deal with it. And so I, I think of racism as kind of in that category. It is a reality, and if you're not if you're not consciously trying to deal with it, it's not going to work.
3: On a slightly different note, the paper talks about um, artificial intelligence, which is a big buzzword and, and becoming a real thing in healthcare, uh, and then and algorithms feeding off in some cases of that AI um, that. Potentially, these could uh, deepen inequities. They could uh, sort of calcify the existing uh, disparities and, and unfairness uh, that that uh, that we've identified as as part of the problem with health equity. Um, so uh, that seems logical when you stop and think about it. It's it's really just a faster way of doing what we do already, and what we're doing already. Uh, is not working for uh, a decent part of the population, so um, I can completely see that. And the paper discusses that. I'm wondering if you, you know, think
2: for me, it's like it's not AI that's the problem, right? It's the it's the lack of determination to get to the real the real source of difference, right? So you and I both are familiar with a uh, we had we had a speaker um, who talked about. Algorithms that categorize patients for care management and that uh, put them into more sick and less sick categories, and because it was using utilization data as a proxy for health, it wound up well it wound up not categorizing uh, African Americans as as sick as white patients, right? So. Um, that's
3: because too, they weren't getting the amount of care that a similar right, white patient would right,
2: get. Right. Right. Yes. Because we know, uh, you know, if you're like, healthcare is a business, and hospitals want to be in nice neighborhoods, uh, you know, upscale neighborhoods, and um, there are doctor supply issues in poor neighborhoods, and so all the the inequity that's out there and driving the use of healthcare then gets piled into this algorithm, which then tells a story that's not true. And you know. so there are plenty of opportunities for that to happen. And I think we just need to be vigilant and we need to get beyond, first of all, I think using utilization data as a proxy for health is fraught with a lot of problems because we know it's driven by, let's say market forces and not just the underlying needs of the patients. So, um, you know, there's a a hot debate going on about risk adjustment using uh, utilization data as well. So uh, we just need to get better at this stuff and we need to be using real patient data, not like, you know, this shadow, you know, shadow puppet that's healthcare utilization.
3: And I, and it came up recently, and I, I don't want to lose this that um, the health plans and other and systems are really stepping up on this topic uh, in an uh, a, an impressive way, uh, and I think we need to note that, and maybe that's part of what's different this time around. Um, but uh, health equity uh, is at the top of their agenda uh, in discussions I know that are happening between NCQA and these folks. Uh, what's your observation on that? Uh, how, do you, how do you feel that uh, positions yeah. the issue to actually get addressed?
2: Well, I, I agree with you um, that there's we're hearing a lot of impressive stories. And I think we need to be very, I think part of our role is to showcase People that are making a difference, you know. So when people have figured out some strategies that really work, um, people are hungry for best practices information, and that is that's part of our role, I think. Um, uh, because it's not unusual for NCQA to be saying, like, "Here's the data, and you need to do better," and and to have people say to us, "I don't know how to do better." That's not always true, but there are often. If, Occasions like that, and when you're pushing into a new area, um, it, it's likely that people need to, they need to be inspired by and learning from the experience of others, you know, that have really kind of been down the road or a, li- a little further down the road than others. So. Uh, um, and yes, I'm very impressed with a lot of the work that's been done. I mean, you and I know that in Pennsylvania, uh, there were a number of plans that were very committed. And we knew this because they were doing our multicultural health care program. But this, the Commonwealth recognized itself that when they looked at their HEDIS scores and they they had data on health equity, they saw them doing better. And so... Um, that's the kind of noticing and that analysis noticing and then saying, OK, we want everybody to kind of get on board with, you know, it's basically um, measurement, transparency and accountability, are old uh, tri- triad of things that work.
0: NCQA President Peggy O'Kane with Vice President for Public Policy and External Relations, Frank Michike. Thank you to the both of you. Now, looking forward to some coming events, there's always something going on here at NCQA, from seminars to article releases to new products. We invite you to join us for the following events. On Friday, October 22nd, our Quality Innovation Series presents the Policy Roundtable, Advancing the Move to Digital Measurement. On Tuesday, November 2nd, the series presents Maximizing Quality Through Digital Approaches to Guidelines and Measurement. And don't forget, because the Quality Innovation Series events are recorded, you can see them live or later on demand. For more information, just check out education.ncqa.org. And that wraps up this edition of Inside Healthcare. Our producer is David Smolar, I'm Matt Brock. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you again, no doubt. You've been listening to Inside Healthcare, a podcast brought to you by NCQA, the National Committee for Quality Assurance. Inside Healthcare is available on your computer or mobile device through Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and on our blog at blog.ncqa.org forward slash podcast.